All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. Your host, Tom Alemo. They call me Tommy Tahoe around here. And uh, I'm excited to bring you another week of sales content. Excited to get after it. It's the last month of the year. And uh, we've got really two weeks left before, you know, you got Christmas, you got New Year's, so two full weeks to really get after it, really uh, take down some of those last deals that, you know, hit quota, or if you've already hit it, hopefully you're in some accelerators getting after it and, uh, and really kind of put your final stamp on the year, on a year that was shitty for a lot of reasons, tough year for salespeople. Uh, so if you're hitting quota my hat, and you're not at Zoom, uh, my hat's off to you. Uh, if you are not hitting quota and you're struggling this year, uh, know that it might not be you. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that are getting less money on their W-2s than they did last year, lower percentage to quota. It's just been a grind of a year. So if anything, I think you probably learned something and um, you, know, you could take that with you. But what I really want to talk about is the guest for this week's podcast. This is episode 186. I've got Maria Bross, that is boss with an R, uh, coming in this week. And we're talking about transitioning from a sales AE role into sales enablement. And here's the reason why I want to talk about this, right? So take Maria out of the equation. Maria is an absolute badass. We're going to get to her in a second. But let's talk about the situation, right? Um, maybe you feel like you're stuck on a normal sales path, right? And maybe you start as a BDR, then you're an account executive, then you're going to get into sales management, then you're going to try to be a director of sales, then you're going to be a VP of sales, and you know, 25 years later, you're still, you know, you still have a quota on you, right? And maybe that's not inspiring to you. Maybe that's not what you want to do. And I've talked to a lot of people, some close friends of mine even, that say, I, you know, they love sales, they love what it's given them, they love uh, the money that you can make, they love. Um, you know, the skills that they've developed, but that's not maybe something that they want to do forever. And they like some aspects of it, but they don't want the quota or they don't want that pressure on them forever. Um, and that's not for everyone, right? So I haven't talked about that before and I haven't really questioned people about that before. So this episode is for you if that's what you're into. So income, enter stage left, Maria Bross. Uh, she's the perfect messenger for this topic, right? So put simply, she's just an absolute badass. Um, she's currently the sales enablement manager at Boomtown, which is a real estate platform. She's a top 100 LinkedIn social sales star, which is something that I have not accomplished. Uh, she is active in the revenue collective community and a South Carolina state powerlifting record holder. We will touch on that. Uh, so to get to this level, Maria spent about a decade in sales, honing her craft, leveling up her career at a number of different companies uh, before landing over at Boomtown. And what I find super interesting is that there was a point where Maria, we talk about a few stories. We talk about some not so good managers that she had, right? And uh, how they were not really empowering her to get better and improve her craft, right? We talked about even at the way, way back, uh, when she started her career, as an intern at Nordstrom's. And I know uh, people that got into retail sales that crushed it, that learned so many great things. So I wanted to touch on that. She does share some good info on that. She became the de facto salesperson for uh, people that are hard of hearing in her area. It, it's quite interesting, actually. Um, but she goes from, you know, the salesperson that really wasn't being challenged, that wasn't really being 
uh, taught how to grow and, and develop and learn and coached and finally comes across a situation where she, it, you know, she does understand that or, or is taught kind of that growth mindset in sales and the light bulb flipped. And she thought instead of just being that salesperson, she wants to do that for other people. She wants to coach. She wants to teach. She wants to lead and tells a great story about, man, these people that come in from different industries, right? Some of that was a bartender that was probably just barely making ends meet and goes through training and she coaches them up. And then all of a sudden they're making sales and they're impacting the business. They're making more money than they ever had before. It's fulfilling. Uh, they're working hard. It's just a great, great story and such a fulfilling move for her, right? And so I love talking to her about that, um, about enabling people. And, you know, you heard last week, someone like John Barros, who has a consulting company, and he goes into different companies and does that. Uh, a different flavor of that, though, is what Maria's doing, where she works at the company as internal sales enablement. And sometimes sales enablement is like, you know, people that create slide decks or something like that, marketing collateral. She is getting into the nitty gritty. She's learning from, you know, people like Josh Braun or people like Chris Voss and trying to learn the best practices so she can take it to her team and continue to make people, you know, better, more skilled, more dangerous on the phone. So um, I think this is great. Uh, maybe this ambition, this want for something more, this want for, you know, getting away from that quota sounds familiar to you and maybe it doesn't. Uh, if not, there are plenty of room for salespeople to go down that traditional path to be managers, to be big time AEs, to be VPs of sales. Um, but if it sounds familiar, you're going to want to tune in, you're going to want to listen, and you're going to want to hit up Maria on LinkedIn after the show. Um, Maria Bross, that's boss with an R. Um, you hit her up. First of all, she's got great content. She's writing content you know, on a weekly basis, uh, probably multiple times a week where she's dropping knowledge that she gets, you know, she's also active in a lot of comments. So you can see you know, some of the things that she's uh, catching up on and, and learning and trying to bring to her team. So please hit her up, add her, follow her, uh, like her posts, comment on her posts, give her some love. She's a top 100 sales star in the world. So there's some credibility there. Uh, second, a selfish request. If you like the show, people, I've been doing this for about three and a half years. And uh, uh, episode 186, and talk to some amazing people. The way that this show grows is if you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, if you leave a review, a five star review on Apple, man, that helps so much. That helps with the algorithm so that this show can spread. It's going to help me get more great guests for you folks. Um, it's going to make this a hell of a lot easier, a hell of a lot better. So um, please just subscribe and leave a review wherever you are. Um, check us out on all those different platforms. And then you can follow me, uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Tommy Tahoe. And I'd love to connect with you. I respond to just about every message I get on, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. So I'd love to chat with you, leave a review, uh, send it to a friend, share it on social, do the whole nine yards. It helps us. It helps you take a deep breath. Without further ado, let's get into this outstanding conversation with my good friend, Maria Bross. Let's go. All right, Maria Bross, welcome to Millennial Sales. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
early morning podcast day after the uh you know election uh so you know tensions are high across the country so i appreciate you uh showing up and um maybe taking our mind off of that for an hour yeah hopefully we can do that lower the anxiety of everybody and yeah just have some fun yeah yeah absolutely so um you know one reason that i wanted to talk with you today is um you know you've made a pat you made a uh, journey from, you know, being an AE and following the, you know, kind of stereotypical path from SDR to AE to sales manager to director of sales and just kind of keep climbing that ladder and made a pivot in your career towards, you know, sales enablement and, and doing things on that sort. So I want to get to that. I want to start with uh, the early days of your career. I think you started at Nordstrom's, right? I'd love yeah. to hear you talk about because I've heard, you know, I know people that have started their sales career there or worked there when they were younger and said that it was a pretty formative experience for them and got them interested. And some people really loved it, or and maybe it's a polarizing uh, thing working in retail, but I'd love to hear what your experience was like there. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. So I started there, I, uh, my best girlfriend worked there and she got me the job, um, but I had always been like a huge Nordstrom fan. Um, you know, love shopping there, walking through there, getting their coffee and their e-bar and stuff like that. And so I applied for a sales internship there because I was like, oh, maybe I want to manage a department in retail and and see what that's all about. And so I got started there and had an, an absolutely amazing experience in the internship program at Nordstrom. I learned so much in their training program, uh, just about like human psychology in like interacting with other people and how to work as a team and sales like and working backwards and getting to your specific goal of your your number of revenue sales that you want to get to um so i learned a real a lot of really great lessons there worked with some great people um and like the nordstrom company was just so great like pete nordstrom uh actually came and talked to our internship class in oh, bethesda wow. maryland from seattle so like he flies in, he talks to all the intern classes and it was just, I mean, it was an incredible experience. They treated us so well over there. Um, and I learned a whole lot, like definitely had my like run in with face-to-face -face sales and, and rejection and, um, and that sort of thing. So um, that was definitely a good, a, a good, strong experience to kick off my career in sales. And that's really what got me so interested in it too. Like I loved the rush of, of being able to reach a, a target and realize I'm like, okay, this is, this is what I'm meant to do. I am really interested in sales. Yeah. And did you have other, uh, like friends or coworkers that you worked with that you were all kind of like teaming up together or like getting competitive or like, you know, helping each other out with the basics. Cause I, the reason I asked that is cause I started, uh, I was selling Cutco knives in college one summer and it was the same yeah. type of experience where it's like, you know, there's two, two guys that I met there and, you know, we really kind of enjoyed each other's company and we're kind of like learning how to sell all together. And it was the same type of thing of, you know, going in person into people's homes even and getting rejected and, you know, cutting up tomatoes it's and all that stuff. Yeah, man, it is humbling. It is a humbling experience doing that face-to-face. <laughs> -face. And um, so that's awesome that you had that experience too. And I'm sure like that's probably shaped you into the salesperson you are today, um, just like it has for me. But yeah, in terms of like relationships, like my best girlfriend since 
fifth grade and I did the programs together. And then obviously we met some new friends along the way. Um, and we were just extremely competitive. We worked in different departments, um, but I always wanted to be number one and um, be on the leaderboard. Yeah. Uh, I wanted her to do really well and reach her goals too, but um, we were definitely really competitive. Um, but was what was cool though, is like, so in, in high school, I took American Sign Language instead of a, um, a foreign language and was basically almost, almost fluent by that time in American Sign Language. And so at one point I saw someone at Nordstrom being helped that was, you know, some, someone who was um, in the deaf community and she was signing and the person couldn't help her. They, you know, there was just like the language barrier there. And I like, mm -hmm. you know, got myself in there and was like so excited to be able to use what I've learned and be able to help this customer. Um, and we had so much fun. And I took that customer all around the entire store and she did her Christmas shopping with me. And then she started referring the whole deaf community in like the DC metro area to me. So whenever anyone would come into Nordstrom um, and was, you know, hard of hearing, they'd come in and they'd, we'd sign and like, I'd take them around the store and we'd go shopping. And so that really helped me get to a lot of my goals just because I could communicate and help this, this community um, in the DC metro area. And so that, that really helped me get to my goals. How wild is that? I bet you didn't picture that when you were a, a freshman or sophomore in college when you're just, you know, kind of blindly picking out like, yeah, I'll take uh, sign language. And then all of a yeah. sudden you're like the go-to Nordstrom uh, <laughs> person for for uh, the deaf community. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> so that helped with sales and also made it so fun. And I was really excited to like use a, a skill that I hadn't really been able to before then. Yeah. And, and so was that whole experience, was that in college or was that after you graduated? Or So it was the um, summer before my senior year of college. And then yep. I worked there um, over like Christmas break and over, um, you know, in the spring too. And uh, it, it was kind of just like whenever I wanted to go back and work there for a few weeks, I could, which was, was just really nice, especially for being a student. So here's a question that I've been thinking about. I have some uh, family members. I know some people that are in college uh, at, at my alma mater that mm -hmm. are interested in sales. And sometimes they ask me, well, what, you know, what internship should I get? And I remember in college, there was such a pressure to get the best internship somewhere. And, um, and I had some good internships um, and I had some not so good internships, but the most, the thing that told me that I wanted to do sales was selling cut coat knives. If I was just an intern at an uh, insurance company, which I was and like mm -hmm. doing database entry, like next to salespeople that that didn't really get me excited to be in sales. So like, do you do you have a, a thought on that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that it's like being face to face like you were with Cutco being in retail at Nordstrom, um, doing some sort of face to face sales or getting on the phones, maybe like I worked at a company called Vocus um, my senior year and I was, you know, updating contact information. It was in a database, but it was like my first interaction with like on the phone sales and people not expecting my call. And so even though it wasn't like a complex sales process or anything like that by any means, um, it was still getting me used to being on the phone, talking to clients, 
Um, and I just loved that. I love talking to people. And so I think, you know, getting coffee for people and, you know, doing database entry and stuff is not gonna, I don't think at least for me, it wouldn't spark any sort of passion or like, wow, this is exactly what I want to do. So I think the more that you can, you know, really dig into it for those, um, for students and face the rejection, see if you can, you can get through that and, um, and, and connect with people. Uh, I, I think that's the better, the better you'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, and the same, if I was hiring out, like if I saw someone had a great internship at a, you know, good looking company versus, Hey, I spent the, you know, the last year, you know, ripping sales at Nordstrom or, you know, wherever it was, um, that real world experience, I think just, just stands tall because I think the first year that you're in sales, at least in my opinion, is like, you're just trying to figure out if that's what you want to do and if it's right for you. And like, it's like, especially if you're coming in just straight out of college, it's, it's such a crapshoot. People kind of fall back on sales. I think they don't expect mm -hmm. to be a salesperson when they go into college. They, you know, it's just not something that I think is really talked about a lot. And so you just kind of go into it. You hope that it's something that you might like, and then you might yeah. transition to something else or you might really enjoy it. So um, mm -hmm. it's maybe even better to get that understanding earlier. Uh, so, you know, whether or not to, to do that after college. I know. I wish that there were more programs in college that where you could study sales, where you could take a solution selling class. Uh, I, I think it's becoming, you know, it's growing in colleges for, you know, in that way, the study of it, but I wish that there was definitely more. Um, and I think too, I mean, for at least like our, like our business development roles at Boomtown, it's like, I'll hire, you know, people right out of school, or, you know, maybe they've completed some college and they're, they're interviewing for more of like an entry level sales role. And it's like, maybe they were bartenders, maybe they were wait waiters or waitresses and had to, like, as long as they can connect that experience of like, how they helped sell, you know, wine there, they helped sell a certain dish, and they were able to say, oh, stay away from that chicken parmesan. It's to be honest, it's not the best on the menu, but I would really go for this. Um, I don't know, I feel like there's been able, like, there's been candidates that have been able to take maybe not traditional sales experience and apply that to why they would be successful, you know, starting out in a sales role that they're hungry to learn that they're coachable. And I've taken those people on and they've, they've really, really excelled. So um, I think just like any sort of face-to-face -face experience where you're having to interact with customers is, is great practice for a sales role. Yeah. Have you seen, you know, I, I agree. I think it's all about having the story too, that like, Hey, you know, I was a bartender, but I was doing this and this helped me interact with customers or, you know, to your point, you know, I had empathy and I, I, you know, steered them away from the chicken parm because it <laughs> kind of stunk or whatever it was. Um, do you see certain characteristics like say at Boomtown for uh, new BDRs? Like, do you see characteristics mm -hmm. of people that come in that are generally more successful than others? I, I feel like hiring is like, it's just that big question mark that people try to figure out and some are maybe better at it than others, but it's impossible to judge and be right hundred percent of the time. But I'm just curious if you see trends on that. For sure. And um, it's timely that you asked this question because last week I probably interviewed 20 business development people where we were hiring six um, to start at the end of this month. And so, you know, that's sort of the, that's one of the qualities that I look for. Can they take relatable 
experience from maybe other jobs or internships that had nothing to do specifically with sales? Like, can they connect that dot and can they differentiate themselves? Um, I think that another big quality that I look for is just like coachability. Um, do they want to learn? Do they want to experiment? And that's what I see, especially from like about a year ago, we hired a group of, of six business development uh new hires that were awesome. They're like very hungry to learn. Um, They're very sharp, but had zero sales experience, you know? And so, you know, they went through that program with an open mind and started cold calling and they're fearless on the phones. And I think over the past year, I've learned a ton. And now they're, all of them basically are applying for our open account executive role. Um, And I'm hoping crossing my fingers for them that it works out for them. I think they'll hear back this week. Um, But I think they've been so successful just because of their just openness to to fail and to experiment with things and try new stuff on the phones and to learn from thought leaders on LinkedIn and take a Josh Braun post and be like, oh, I'm going to use that in my next call. So not only like learning, reading books, um, being open minded to new tactics, but also to put that into action and test it out, you know, and I think that that takes that takes a lot of confidence and just a lot of humility to be like, hey, I could be wrong. This could not work, but I'm going to try it because it might. And I'm going to get better and better and better incrementally every day because of that. And so that's what I see, especially from from the new hires that gets me so excited and makes me really love what I do because I, I get to interact with that and see their their progress. Totally. And and. When you do something like that, let's say, you know, you take the Josh Braun post and you try that out in your, in whatever you're doing as a BDR, that kind of does two things. One, you're actually learning and, you know, potentially getting better. And the second thing is if it works or doesn't work, you can share it with the team and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, I saw this post, you know, I tried Josh Braun's. He had a post the other day about like, you know, sending an email in less than 20 words or something like that. It's like, Hey, I tried to do that. And, you know, I got no responses or I got, you know, 50% reply rate. It was great. You're building your internal brand that way as, Mm -hmm. all right, you know, Maria is someone that wants to get better. She's actively looking at things. She's trying new things. And I think, again, when you're at a, you know, at a fast growing company like Boomtown, where there's probably great talent Mm -hmm. and there's six great BDRs all going for that AE job. The, it's not just the numbers that get looked at, you know, there's other, th- other aspects of like, oh, you know, here's some things that Maria does outside of just, you know, setting mm-hmm. meetings that, you know, we really like, and that we think is going to help her in future roles. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like you're spot on there. And to be honest, that's, that was part when I was like writing my reviews for the interviews for that outbound role, that was part of my feedback for a lot of those business development folks was, you know, not only are they talented and proven themselves in building pipeline and, and opening up opportunities um, and influencing revenue, um, but outside of that, they're tagging me in posts on LinkedIn, they're sending me podcasts and being like, hey, I tried this, you know, one sentence email um, for a stalled deal and it got a response and now we have a, a meeting set up on Friday. So like that quality to me is such a huge predictor of success. Someone who's able to, who's wanting to learn and put it into action and experiment. And I wrote that in my feedback, even though that wasn't necessarily an interview question, but having worked with them that, you know, entire year prior to the interview, I know that's the quality of, of some of these candidates and 
Um, yeah, and I think that's just a, a really great way to differentiate yourself and, and market yourself internally, especially if like you maybe don't have closing experience, you're going against candidates from outside the company with five, 10 years of sales experience, but it's like, okay, well, are they still willing to learn? Are they getting incrementally better every single day? Um, maybe they have more closing experience, but um, I, I think it's a good way to position yourself as a BDR going into a AE role. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to kind of pivot back to your path. So you were, um, you know, after Nordstrom's, you got into sales, you had mm -hmm. a number of different, um, you know, AE roles that you know, I imagine that you were very successful in. And then at, at some point, you made you decided to make the pivot to sales enablement. So I'd love to hear like, where, where were you at in life when uh, you made that decision? Was it like you were feeling burnt out? Were you feeling like, you're just kind of sick of the the quota game. Like, what? Where were you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, that's a that's an inter interesting question too. Um, like I said, I spent seven, almost eight years, I think, in outbound sales for technology companies, right? And we know like carrying quotas, um, pounding the phones, cold calling, did all of it, and and really loved it. And you know, I'm not going to paint this like rainbows and and butterflies uh, <laughs> picture of it because I was really, I struggled a ton in sales. And I tell our team that all the time, like I struggled, it did not come naturally to me. And, um, you know, I was told, I was often told, especially in the beginning that, you know, Maria, you're just not cut out for this. You don't hold people accountable. You're too nice. Like your prospects don't want to tell you no. And, um, you know, you're not aggressive enough. And like, they're telling me about all of these qualities that I'm not, that's what makes a successful salesperson. And, you know, luckily, luckily, like I didn't believe them. And, you know, from those, those like sales managers that gave me that feedback, I wasn't getting coaching. I didn't have my one-on-ones just looked like pipeline reviews. Um, and I wasn't getting that guidance. And then I transitioned to a role where I was getting, I had a six week sales onboarding boot camp where it was like very um, ingrained in training and coaching and improving my skill set. They exposed me to like sales podcasts and and a lot of like challenger sale books and um, you know Chris Voss and all these really great thought leaders. And I'm like, wow, I can I can learn sales. Like I can practice, I can get better. This is like a learned skill that I can improve on my entire life. It's not something that I'm either born with or, or not. Um, and so that completely just like blew my mind and got me like re excited about sales. And I ended up doing a lot better and implementing some of that advice and practicing over and over and over and over again, listening to my calls, listening to my peers calls. Um, and I ended up getting a lot better. And so I realized like, you know, going through that program, I realized how much of a gap there was and in in coaching and in training. And then there was a training opportunity at that company um, to, you know, to be part of the sales enablement team. And my friend Kelly was like, hey, you know, you should give it a try. You loved the onboarding program. You did really well in it and took it really seriously. And, and I think you should, you know, put your name in the hat for it. And I took a chance and was like, yeah, like I, I loved sales training. I would love to help run the boot camp and be part of the team to help enable the the sales team and and so I, I gave it a try and I ended up loving it and then you know I wanted to work a little bit closer to home in Charleston South Carolina and I'd always heard really wonderful things about Boomtown because um, I was working 
remotely for a company in Milwaukee at the time. Um, and so it was a really big opportunity to start the sales enablement program at Boomtown and to build an onboarding program from scratch. And I was just really excited about all that I could potentially learn from going through that as a sole sales enablement person. And, um, and yeah, so I took the opportunity and I love it even more now because I'm so focused on onboarding and, you know, building these, these salespeople, um, no matter where they are in terms of their level of skill when I get them, but putting them through like training, exposing them to all of these different things that I wasn't exposed to when I was, you know, younger in, in my sales career so that they can be successful, that they can know, Hey, I can develop these skills. I can learn how to do this. I, if I put in the practice, I put in the work, I listen to my calls, I listen to peers calls and, you know, proactively ask for feedback on my calls and, and, you know, from my manager, from Maria, um, and, and just like grow into to what I want to accomplish my personal and my professional goals. And so, sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, but I just have loved it so much. And, and especially too, it, I think it really clicked with this same, the same actual group now that's going and going after the account executive role. I had them, you know, after a week, we're making our first cold calls. Um, and I'm just like literally passing around the phone and we're just all <laughs> going around um, calling, calling realtors, calling our prospects. And they all booked a meeting. It was like one week into training. They all had like this really amazing conversation. They got to pain. They booked next steps. And I was like losing my mind in this, <laughs> in this conference room, just going nuts. And I'm like, like, I almost had like tears streaming down my face and I'm like, this is what I meant to do. You know, like this is, mm. this is like very, very fulfilling to me to see like, you know, someone who was a bartender six months ago who has zero sales experience, just book a software sales demo. You know, he'd never been on the phone with a prospect before a week before this program. Mm -hmm. And now he's like influencing, you know, thousands of dollars of revenue. Like this is so cool. Um, so I don't know, I just get really excited by that and seeing their progress. And then now seeing them hopefully go into an account executive, like full cycle sales role, it just like, it blows my mind and it makes me really excited. Yeah. So there's, there's a few things I want to touch on. There. <laughs> I want to first, first, I want to bring it back a little bit because you, so you mentioned, you know, at, at one or, or multiple of your roles, people who are kind of, um, you know, uh, feeding you some negativity, we'll say, and saying that you don't have the right attributes to be a successful salesperson. Yeah. You're not aggressive enough or you're too nice or um, sounds like maybe some old school uh, mentality there, but we'll maybe leave that for a second. Um, was it when you, and then you landed at like uh, somewhere where you were in a full type of coaching onboarding, is that at a new company or is it a new manager or what, like, what was the shift? Oh yeah. 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 So I, so not all of my managers have said that it was specifically one like kind of midway into my career. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know, I wasn't, what happened was I was in an outbound sales role and I was calling, um, I was calling on prospects and I did really, really well. And I, it was kind of like smaller type accounts and I was promoted into an account management role working with current clients. And I just, completely like did not reach my goals. I did not hit quota. Um, and just because like I was, I'd never worked with clients before. I was always in a prospecting facing type role. Um, and I got no coaching from it. And 
I didn't seek anything myself either. I definitely could have been more proactive in asking for feedback and, you know, finding other resources to get better in that role, but I just, I didn't do well in it. Um, and so, so yeah, I got some feedback that like, Hey, Maria, you're not cut out for this. Um, you probably should look into a different path than sales. Um, and I was like, wow, like that's, you know, that's really tough to hear after five or so, like five years into my sales career. Um, and so, so yeah, so I went to another company and um, it was a new manager. It was a, I had like a very formal onboarding program and this manager really invested it a lot of time and effort into our, um, our development. He listened to our calls. Our one-on-ones were very, very productive um, and a great use of my time, which I feel like is is something that could be improved in a lot of like management one-on-ones, but this one was so spectacular. He'd, we'd pinpoint little micro goals for the week and be like, hey, Maria, you're forgetting to do the upfront, upfront contract in your discovery calls. They could go so much better if you were just gave an upfront contract. So this week, I just want you to focus on that. And so I was like getting that, that coaching from my manager. He was listening to my calls. He cared about, it felt like he cared about me in my personal life and in my career. Um, and I had that like foundation of really great onboarding, uh, from my team at Zywave actually. And, um, and yeah, so I just felt like I was, I was learning a lot and it changed the game for me. I was like, wow, I can actually practice and get better at this. How bad can some one-on-ones be, right? You mentioned earlier Uh, that one of, some of them were just like, it's a pipeline review. And then this one sounds like it was great, uh, where you're talking, you know, the person cares about you as a person, you're talking about the micro goals. So it's not like just this daunting thing. It's like, here's this one thing upfront contract. Let's focus on that this week. Mm -hmm. Um, my experience, uh, and from just talking with a lot of different salespeople, that is the minority of, uh, one-on-ones that are super productive. Like what, what's up with that? You know, I think (laughs) a lot of times there's probably a lot of things, Tom, but I think that a lot of times these managers are not coached they're not trained and so they're a product of how they were managed and they become leaders themselves because they did well um and it's just not really talked about but i think that there's such a huge opportunity in roi in managers coaching in those one-on-ones and trying to think about it not not as much as like let's take a look at your pipeline what deals are you working on how can i help you the you know the Packers game was awesome last week. How's the baby? Great. All right. If you don't need anything from me, let's move on. Um, instead of having like like that, that I think most go, like I think that it really should be a time for the sales rep, like not for the manager. The sales manager can pull reports, I'm sure. Uh, maybe ask, yeah, is there anything specific that I can help with on any of your deals? Like should we negotiate about something, you know, getting that sort of thing out of the way, of course, great. But I think it should also be very much on skill development and call coaching and um, just picking out those micro goals and and thinking about it in a way that's like, how can I make this 30 minutes or this hour the best use of my sales reps time as possible while they're not selling? Um, And I think there's also a, a time and place too, especially for checking in with them, seeing how they're doing, especially now in a pandemic and everyone working remotely and everyone's lives kind of crazy. Um, I think that's, that's valuable as well, but, um, but yeah, I think being very focused on how can I make this a good use of my sales reps time versus 
what's information I need as the sales manager. How have you adjusted, whether it's onboarding or some of your coaching and sales enablement to being, I assume that you're remote right now. It looks like you're at, at home. So um, how have you, how have you adjusted what you've been doing with the team working remote? Yeah. um, So we just actually met yesterday. I've been doing a lot of research. Um, I spoke with Siobhan Thatcher, who is like the OG sales enablement person. And she's, I've learned so much from her and, and like watching videos on saleshood. Um, they have so much great content out of there, but she, I actually talked to her. She's like, so amazing. I LinkedIn messaged her and I was like, Hey, I was listening to your video about how you switch from doing things, um, you know, face-to-face to remotely, um, in your onboarding program. I'd love to learn more about that. And she talked to me for 30 plus minutes, um, with no benefit to her. She's just, you know, coaching and, and mentoring. And it was just like awesome to have that exposure to her and to learn from her. Uh, but I was, I've been getting a lot of videos from that and just like asking around on LinkedIn and in different communities like Sales Hacker and Rev Genius that I'm a part of. Um, but I think one of the main things is like, how do we keep it engaging, right? So like this, this new class that's going to start, I think at the end of November, November 17th, I'll have... Um, I really had to like go back to the drawing board and think like, how can we make this engaging, not face-to-face because usually like I'm whiteboarding things we're you know, we're playing games and doing activities and stuff. And it's like, how do we do this in this remote environment? And so um, I've been relying a lot on like our sales management team and we've been doing different brainstorms and all kind of bringing things to the table of how we can make it interactive. Like for example, like Siobhan gave me the idea that um, to send out like, little whiteboards or chalkboards before the class. So you can do like Jeopardy and hold up your answers and things. So I think I just have a very big focus now on, okay, I need to document any sort of tribal knowledge, right? And get them on slides or get them written out. Um, I need to make the, I need to be very purposeful about, you know, thinking through discussion questions and activities and quizzes so that I'm not just like talking at the team over Zoom and boring them to tears. Um, and then also too, like what sort of pre-work can they do? What sort of resources can I provide prior to the, the training course so that they can watch videos um, or recorded webinars or recorded calls um, on their own prior to the class so that we can reduce just the amount of time I'm sharing slides and presenting. Yeah. So that's just some of it, but we'll see. I mean, it's kind of an experiment. Hopefully it goes well. Um, we're definitely trying to think through any of that. Do you have any ideas, any, any tips for it? Me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, uh, well, right now I'm an AE. My last role, I was a player coach. So I, I managed a team and uh, that was, you know, it was pre-pandemic and then, you know, we shifted during the pandemic too. And I, I found it really hard to engage. And I find it also hard as an AE now to engage and like really make an, the same impact. So, you know, I've based on, I don't know you that well, but based on your personality, you could probably relate to this. Like a lot of, uh, you know, my enjoyment and a lot of like maybe the, some intangibles that I can bring is like you walk in the room and you bring some energy or you can help kind of inspire people or crack a joke or do something creative. I find that that really doesn't translate super well to Slack and Zoom, or maybe yeah. it just doesn't naturally do that. So that's kind of where, you know, I have 
in every interview a, a selfish section where I just ask a, per, a, per, a question specific for me. Um, so that's what I'm kind of, that's my struggle right now. It's like, how do I, you know, I love meeting clients in, in person too. So that's a bummer, mm-hmm. but just internally and like being able to talk with people and get to know them a little bit better um, has been, I think a little bit of a struggle for me too. It's yeah, it's going to be hard, especially like I want these new hires to feel ingrained in our culture and accepted by the team. And like, they know who they're working with because we have such a great culture at Boomtown um, and everyone like gets along and has fun together outside of work. And, you know, and so I just, I don't want them to miss out on that just because we have to be remote for now. So yeah, I'm going to just continue to brainstorm. And if, if anybody has any ideas, like LinkedIn message me, let me know what's been working for you guys. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I think we just have to be patient and um, with all of this process, but hopefully we can, we can get everybody, keep everybody engaged and still excited. My jokes don't translate very well over Zoom or in person. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got the dad or aunt jokes, I guess you'd say. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely something, especially if everyone's on mute, you've got 10 people in the room. <laughs> Uh, and you, you drop a joke and people might even laugh, but they're on mute. So it's just <laughs> radio silence. That's You're uncomfortable. Like, oh, all right. Well, guys, like next, um, uh, yeah. on to okay. the next slide. <laughs> yeah. So was there, um, back to the decision that you made to, to make that pivot was there, it sounds like it's a more fulfilling job for you personally, like the fulfillment of going out and selling something and hitting quota versus you being in that room with the BDRs or a virtual room and kind of coaching them and everyone's making a call and uh, you're helping kind of, I mean, I I don't think it's over-exaggerating to say that you're changing people's lives because you're taking people from totally different circumstances um, and hopefully changing it for the better by giving them more opportunities and, um, you know, opening their perspective and putting them on a path of, you know, maybe a more successful path or whatever that might be. So would you, would you agree? Like that's, you feel more fulfilled by helping people out than maybe going out and making cold calls and closing deals and things like that. Well, that's first of all, very kind to say, I hope so. I mean, that's, that's really the goal. And I have some really great leaders specifically at Boomtown too, that have that same sort of like, servant leadership mindset that I, that I learned from and that, you know, I'd like to develop in that same sort of style as them. Um, But yeah, I, you know, I think I've never been like brought to tears by getting a deal coming in um, or a commission (laughs) check. Like those are awesome. And uh, you know, sometimes I can go on like nice little shopping trip after a deal comes in, which is great. But like to me being able to see somebody just grow like that and put in the effort and then you know them see their first deal come in and then them hit quota and then hopefully now getting promoted into a role that they've been after the past year and a half it's like it feels 10 times better than any sort of contract coming in for me like it's it's I don't know why I don't I don't know why it just maybe it's selfish that it's like oh I want to help these people and this is kind of like my legacy um, but I just want, I just want to see them to be successful and, and you're right. Yeah. I can go tonight, go to bed at night and be like, wow, like I was able to help someone who just had a baby that has all these bills to pay. And like, now they're able to grow in their career. Um, so it's kind of being like a force 
multiplier, right? Like if I learn something new, I can share it with this group and better our training or, um, you know, and help them develop these skills faster than I ever did. Um, so that, that to me just feels good and I'm more fulfilled by that. And you mentioned earlier um, in your sales career, a big tipping point was kind of like changing to a growth mindset, like finding out mm-hmm. some of these books, like the challenger sale or never split the difference or podcasts or link people on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Have you mm-hmm. found any good resources for the other side of like actually training people? Like, are there different books or podcasts or people that, um, you know, you follow or that have been impactful for you? Yeah. Um, so that's another skill, right? So like I've been learning sales. There's obviously sales is always changing. There's always so much to learn there, but now it's like, and I've by no means come even close to mastering that, but now I'm in this coaching role and there's, I'm realizing watching videos on sales hood. Sales hood is a really great, um, great place for sales enablement resources. That's where I found Siobhan Thatcher. And, you know, they have some, I think like certifications and courses that you can take as well in sales enablement. Um, So I think that that's kind of like the main resource for and hub for sales enablement type type content. Um, But I'm realizing, wow, I, I listened to some of her videos and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I thought that I was on this really great path and like, I just have so much to learn. still, which is really, really exciting um, at the same time as it is scary, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, so I think like that's one really great resource at saleshood um, and in the saleshood book as well. Um, Another thing too is, is just like coaching and training books. Like I really love um, chasing excellence by Ben Bergeron. He's the, um, he's trained more like or coached more uh, winning CrossFit athletes than any other coach. Um, and his like philosophy on coaching, even though it's, you know, stems from CrossFit and training athletes is very, very relevant in my opinion to training salespeople um, and getting them to win. And so I think that there's a lot of great um, coaching methodologies and things that you could learn from, from great coaches. Uh, like athlete coaches. (laughs) What, and you were, I don't know if you were a CrossFit athlete or I saw something about that. You hold up like a powerlifting record or something like that. Is that right? Um, yes, I do. I did like do a little bit of CrossFit. Um, not great at that. And especially (laughs) now in the pandemic after a lot of like homemade pizzas, that, (laughs) that is, is not as strong as I used to be, but yes, I do hold the South Carolina powerlifting record for my weight class and for raw powerlifting, which means like I'm it's drug tested and I'm not allowed to wear like any sort of like supportive, like bench shirts or something like that to help me lift more. So for what, for what, uh, like what movement for all three. So, um, it's, it's a combined score of bench press, deadlift and squat. Jesus. So just Mm -hmm. like a one rep max one rep max yeah wow that's crazy so that is so if people are if bdrs are not uh taking your advice or giving you attitude you kind of have that intimidation factor with them as well you can kind of throw that out there i don't know i don't know if i come off very intimidating but i should use that though and and use that with the next class of like do you know about this record guys like i'm yeah i'm real real strong gotta get get to work (laughs) Yeah. What, what, what have you seen? You mentioned, um, what, what was his name? Ben Bergeron? Yes. 
what what is like a maybe one tactic or uh shift that he's kind of that you read from him or even that you've experienced by just mm-hmm. the dedication to you know powerlifting um that is maybe applicable to a salesperson or to your job enabling salespeople yeah you know there's so many parallels um between just like excellent coaching overall i've saw it or i've learned some from ben berger on my powerlifting coach when i was training for that that south carolina meet um he was an amazing powerlifting coach and he has no sales background at all um but i'd be like wow i need to use that with our sales team like the way you broke that down for me um so i think even though like they're so unrelated there are so many different parallels like specifically from the book um he talks about coaching and how you can't be like, all right, let's get more bas- maybe a basketball coach, right? You can't say, all right, team, let's get more baskets. You know, let's win. We got to do this. You can't coach for the wins. You can't coach for more baskets or getting more deals in, which I think a lot of sales managers have done, like in my background, um, until I've, I met some really great sales managers and sales coaches. Um, so you can't do that. And his approach is to be more specific. And sometimes we don't have control over the outcome of the game. You can't focus so much on winning. You have to focus on your purposeful practice and, and what led up to this game, right? Like games are won in the practice prior to the game um, and the, the shots that you took before then. So you have to focus more specifically as a coach on telling the team, hey, let's keep our hands up on defense. Like right in this, this, um, I'm not familiar so much with basketball, but you know, like in this <laughs> part of the game, like I want everyone to keep their hands up and stay on your man or whatever you would say. I don't know basketball, <laughs> but like just more specifically things that they are in control of. So that would translate into a sales management perspective or a coaching perspective of this week. I want you to focus on the upfront contract, make sure every single call you're delivering that. Um, and you know, I want you to send me those calls where you were, you gave that front contract. So just focusing on the things that you can have control over and just being very purposeful with your practice. And then by the time that you're in a discovery call or you're in a demo, you're just executing on what you practice. So you don't have to focus so much on the outcome and on the win. And so that's what Ben focuses on um, when he's coaching his athletes and um, just breaking everything down very, very small and, and becoming chasing excellence for, for each sort of move movement. And I think that just translates really well to sales. Have you read anything from John Wooden? Just speaking no. of basketball coaches. Okay. So he's, he's like an old school. Um, he used to coach the UCLA basketball team. And his whole thing was that he, uh, and they won like 11 straight national championships. So wow. he's amazing. But his whole thing was like, he doesn't even look at the scoreboard. He doesn't care about the scoreboard. He would spend like an hour the first day of practice telling people how to properly put on socks and tie shoes because if you do that the wrong way, you're going to get blisters. And if you get blisters, then you're going to miss a game. And then we can't possibly, you know, be our best. So um, it's just really focusing on like the small things, trying to take out in a sales context, take out oh shit, I got to sell $2 million this year. And like, wow, that's so daunting. And, um, you know, take it away from that. It's like, all right, how can I just like do whatever I'm supposed to do for the next 30 minutes uh, yeah. or right now, you know, which is easier said than done, but it's something I've been personally trying to remind myself of too. 
I know it's so hard, especially like when we're coming up on the end of the year, like it's so hard to detach from, to detach from the outcome of like, oh, wow, I have to sell this much. But like, I think being able to just focus on, you know, one specific task of like, all right, today I'm talking to 10 people and I'm not leaving this seat until I have 10 conversations. Doesn't matter what the outcome of those conversations are, but I'm just going to execute on what I practiced and I'm talking to 10 people today. And if I do, it's a win. So I think like that can really help with mindset as well um, and not being overwhelmed by the large goals that we have for ourselves. Yeah, I was going to I was going to shift it and you beat me to it to be a little more tactical for, let's say, um, you know, a BDR and SDR that's listening, because um, I would imagine that, you know, working remote right now, especially if you're new as a BDR and SDR, you're at home and Maybe you got trained, maybe you didn't, and you're out there and you've got to make your calls and you got to send your emails. And I think that it's it's more helpful to be in a room with other people doing that because it kind of like keeps you going a little bit. It also kind mm-hmm. of holds you accountable because if people see you haven't made a phone call in five days, there's like a question mark out there. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a lot easier to uh, to kind of slack off or or kind of like, you know, maybe not hold yourself to the same standard working from home, I feel like, especially if you're not used to, um, you know, the grind that it takes to be a salesperson. So I'd love for you to elaborate on that if you have any other tips. But I thought that first one that you said around like, all right, let's not focus about my hundred activities today. Like, let's just try to have five conversations. And then or like, let's just try to do this for 45 minutes. And then I'm going to go grab a coffee or it's like trying to have like more micro goals. But anything else that you'd say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big one. And, and yeah, like, I mean, aside from that, a huge, huge props to people in sales right now doing it remotely, especially for the first time, if they're not used to that, because I used to really um, get so much energy from the team being on the sales floor and having a really bad cold call and turning back to my friend, like Nicole, who's on my team be like, wow, like they just, they just handed (laughs) it to me. I messed that call up. Like what would you have said here? And so I I think there's like a lot of team value that comes from that. So, so yeah, I mean, I would just suggest like, keep your head up, like what you're learning right now and like how you're adapting is going to pay off tenfold, you know, in your sales career. So like, keep your head up, um, have some grace with yourself because it's hard, right? Uh, it's cold calls are hard in the office, let alone like in your, your new office or converted office with no windows, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> pretty tough. Um, so yeah, just have some grace with yourself, stay in communication with your team, continue to like listen to their calls. If, if they have, if you, your company offers some sort of platform that records your calls, continue to listen to like your peers calls, hear what they're saying, um, stay in good communication. If you have Slack or maybe even just like a group text with your team, um, go ahead and do that proactively ask for help. So like, if you're struggling, like ask, find a leader on your team or your manager or someone that you trust in your company, be like, listen, like I'm struggling with, you know, either your calls or something outside of work, like just stay in communication with people. Like don't get lost in this. Um, because, you know, it's gonna, we're gonna get through it. And we're hopefully going to be back in the office one day. Um, but yeah, and, and I think just like knowing deep down too that, like, the skills that you're learning right now, it's bigger than your number of dials or number of transfers or hitting your quota. Like, what you're learning right now is so huge to be able to like, adapt your strategy from this pandemic. So 
I don't know. That's kind of the advice that I would give them. That's great. Well, I think the last thing is really maybe even worth, you know, people rewinding 15 seconds and re-listening to that. <laughs> you know, the skills that you're building, it's not just about the quota that you have right now for the month mm-hmm. or for the year. It's you're building skills. And whether you want to be in sales for 30 years or you want to go into marketing or sales enablement or, you know, something completely different, you want to go run a uh, water bottle company or something. I don't know. I just made that up. Like the skills <laughs> yeah. that you make, uh, that you build uh, as a salesperson will definitely help you in all of those areas. So, um, if you're gonna, if you got to make 50 calls anyways, you might as well give it your all and try to build yeah. that skill set because it'll help you get better. It'll help you build resilience for whatever it is that you want to do down the line. And, you know, I think for a lot of us, we might think we might pigeonhole ourselves into sales and like think that that's our only option is to keep kind of going up the ladder. But there's a lot of options. That's, you know, one reason why I wanted to have this conversation is just to also help, you know, familiarize people that, you know, you don't have to go down just that one path that, you know, your VP of sales took or that, you know, it looks like you need to take. There's a lot of options out there and, you know, the skills that you build now can be helpful down the line for whatever you want to do. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, and just to go off of that too, like there's, I didn't even know about sales enablement three years ago, that this was a potential Mm. option for me. And now it's a way better, better fit than where I was at. Thought I could just be an individual contributor. And, And now I feel like I'm making a bigger impact in a sales enablement role. And I'm me specifically, I'm, I'm more fulfilled by that. But yeah, I mean, you can go SDRs and BDRs or the sales skills that you're learning make for great like customer success representatives, great people in support, um, you know, great product marketers. And like, there's so many different paths that you can take um, just having the experience that you're having now that will benefit you. Yeah, absolutely. And is there, um, as we're wrapping up, is there anything that stuck out to you recently that um, is just a common trap that BDRs or AEs have fallen into, whether it's related to remote work or not, but something that you just see mm-hmm. pop up a lot that you've had to coach on or that, um, you know, you've, you've seen kind of people fall into that trap? Yeah, yeah, I think that I think specifically with cold calls or, you know, making your prospecting calls, you've never talked to this person before. I, the place that I see as the biggest area for improvement, that's just almost a minor tweak is the reason for the call, right? Like when, when mm. BDRs, SDRs or outbound AEs are, are talking through their cold call, a lot of times when I hear it, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm following up about this or I, um, wanted to call to see if you're familiar with us or, you know, you've looked at us in the past and wanted to see how things were going now. Um, And so I think that we need just like a more compelling reason for the conversation, whether it's something that like to start out with something that you noticed about them from their website or from their LinkedIn or something specific to them and pairing that with a compelling, timely reason for the call. That's almost like, as Josh Brown would say, like an illumination type question that sheds light on something maybe that they're not doing or a pain point that could potentially help them. Um, and starting a conversation with them, like a focus on them and their business versus your product or your company. And so I think once that clicks with, um, with BDRs, like their conversations change, like their conversations 
become more meaty and they're able to get to pain and and hopefully like schedule next steps with people that weren't necessarily in market for like are looking for a solution like yours. Um, so I think that that's that's the biggest area of specifically calling. And then also too like kind of like I was saying before, detaching from the outcome, right? Especially if you're calling quarter leads, people that aren't hand raisers. Um, your job is to have a conversation and to get them interested in talking about their business and getting them to open up. It's not necessarily to schedule a demo. And so that's not a fail if you don't schedule next steps or something like that. So I think detaching from that outcome and then just having a more purposeful reason for the conversation and asking them a compelling question versus talking about your product or your company early in a conversation. I think that's, that's a great place to leave it is that it's not about, you're not calling with the intent that it has to be a meeting. It has to be a sale. This has to be the next customer. You're just having a conversation because you don't know what's going on in their world. They're not expecting your call. They may or may not have a pain point. They might have just bought your competitor last week. They might have some personal stuff going on where they're not, they don't want to talk to you or anyone, you know, you just don't, you just don't know what's going on. So um, with the intent of, Hey, I want to have a, a conversation to potentially open something up or to potentially be helpful to them is just a good mindset to be in. So, you yes. know, as, as you're making those calls, um, Maria Bross, that is boss with an R, uh, <laughs> where, where can people, uh, find you? Where can people maybe hit you up if they have questions about coaching sales enablement, um, how to deadlift more weight, whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, definitely um, con- connect with me on LinkedIn. I connect with everybody on LinkedIn who requests something. So I'd love to set up conversations and and learn more about you and talk about coaching or training or how you're keep- keeping people engaged uh, remotely. Specifically, if you've got experience doing that for onboarding, like give me a call because I'm looking to learn <laughs> more about that. So, so yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn and you know I'd love to to chat with you at some point. Awesome. Hit her up, people. Uh, Maria, I appreciate (laughs) your time. This is awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for checking out that podcast. I hope you saw value, uh, whether you're, you know, working out right now or doing the dishes or, uh, you know, laying around the couch, whatever you're doing right now while you're listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found some value. If you did, the only thing that you can do to really help me out is to share this podcast with a friend share it on social media, and please subscribe wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is, and leave a review on Apple if that's where you're listening. That, that's what helps us to spread reach, helps us to get better guests uh, like the one that you heard just now, um, and to give you as much value as possible. So connect with me, uh, LinkedIn, Kamalemo, uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Tommy Tahoe, and subscribe, leave a review, and make it a great day. Peace. Thank you so much.